Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? It is October 8th, 1994, and we're here for you. Are we? Yeah. I mean, we're kind of here for them. I mean, if you really want us to be, if you want a shoulder <laughs> to cry on, sure, we, we can be that. So, news today, to take your mind off of all your troubles, <laughs> apparently... Now, this isn't really entertainment news, but I want to talk about a couple things real quick. One is about politics, and the other is about technology. Okay. So, I think, uh, first of all, uh, you might remember, and this is in the free press, I think, mainly because this is sort of a national story, but also because this person's dad was the governor here at the state, George Romney's son, Mitt... (laughs) What? What? He named his son Mitt. Like a baseball Mitt? Yes. What a name. Uh, Anyway, he's running for governor, he's running for senator of Massachusetts against none other than Ted Kennedy. And it is a dead heat. He might actually win this thing. One of the most, one of the most liberal states in the union and they may a kennedy might not be a senator he's been senator there since 1963 okay that i mean that's that i'm confused about mitt romney was a governor here or his dad no, 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 no his dad george george romney was a governor in michigan in the 60s and then they moved to massachusetts yeah, I guess it's weird. They have, so he was born in, or his residence is in Massachusetts. I, I think he was born in Michigan, though. And they've also lived in Utah because they're Mormons. Though. And what, every Mormon is required to live in Utah at some point? They, I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> it, it is the promised land, I hear. <laughs> but they've got some, they've got some stats here in the, in the paper about the two candidates. So Willard, his name is Willard, actually. Willard Mitt Romney. Okay, so Mitt, the stupid baseball name, is a middle name. That makes more sense. I guess. I, I if, my, if my name was... Wouldn't you just go... Wouldn't it just be Will Romney? Shouldn't he just be Will Romney? That that would be my choice, yeah. Because I, Willard... I, honestly, I understand why he doesn't want to use Willard. But his dad, really, or, or mom, whoever named him, really saddled him with two really not great names. Right. But anyway, his... Residence is Belmont, Massachusetts. He has uh, he's an honors graduate, uh, combined Harvard Law and Business Schools. Wow. So he graduated from both law and business school at Harvard. He also attended Brigham Young University and Stanford. Okay. Uh, he, his occupation, he's on a leave of absence as head of Bain Capital, which is a Massachusetts-based venture capital company. So stocks and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, personally, he's a Mormon, married to Anne. He has five sons. Wow. Holy shit. Yep, they're Mormon. Uh, quote, 10 years ago, to say you're a Republican from Massachusetts, people thought there was something wrong with you. <laughs> well, you're a Mormon, there's something wrong with you. Uh, Ted Kennedy, 62, 
residence, Boston, education, Harvard, like every Kennedy he went to Harvard, uh, occupation U.S. Senator, personal Catholic, lives with wife Victoria Reggie and her two children. He and his first wife, Joan, have three children. Quote on how helpful the Kennedy name is. Well, it's always been advantageous. With the name also comes a sense of expectation in terms of performance. I always preferred being a Kennedy than anyone else. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... A lot of people are predicting that Romney is going to win. It's funny that he's not running in Michigan. I would think he'd have an easier time here than but Massachusetts. But he doesn't live here. How could he run here? No, but why didn't he? Why did he move to Massachusetts? I don't get it. Because he went to because he went to Harvard Law, so he just stayed stayed there. Yeah, I mean, you know, why does anybody live anywhere? There, I mean, he has roots, people, whatever. His kids, you know, have friends. They go to school. Like, yeah. you don't want to uproot your whole family. I guess. Uh, anyway, so the other thing that I want to talk about is there's an article in here about how to go cellular. Hmm. Uh, you know, we've seen it in Reality Bites. Right. We, we've seen it in certain movies, and I guess there are rich people that own them. I don't... Maybe we've, some business seen, people. We've seen it with Zach Morris. That's true. We've seen it with Zach Morris. <laughs> and maybe some people, like I said, like business he is people... trash. Or whatever. They... <laughs> Zach Morris is an honorable, upstanding human being. <laughs> How dare you? If you say so. He learns a lesson every week, or he did. Uh, but anyway, so these these phones, I guess, you know, like the rich and the business people have them and stuff like that, but they're becoming more and more popular, I guess, with, with normal, you know, with everyday people. Although, I'll tell you, they say that these phones... Uh-huh. are going for about $300. Wow. So I do not know who can afford them. Well, like you said, rich people. Yeah. Like, like you said, rich people, what? Yeah. But, so, they've, you, these phones, they look they look like a normal phone. The part, the bottom part's like, kind of flips out a little bit. And it's got a little antenna on the top of it. Uh, but other, other than that, it looks like a normal phone. It's just got no, there's no wires around it so i mean they just take it with them i guess but it says so here i'll read a little bit of the article it says cellular phones have become the personal security and convenience devices of choice in the 90s but sorting through all the choices is enough to give a cellular shopper static on the brain (laughs) this is apparently this is this picture is of susan jenkins who's a customer specialist for Cellular One, and they rent and sell these uh, the phones. Portable handheld phone. Interesting. So weird. Would you really want people to be able to reach you no matter where you were or what you were doing? <laughs> no. I mean, that sounds kind of awful. No, no. I, I've and got I mean, a pager. And there's pay phones everywhere. Like, what? Yeah. what is the point of this? I don't know at all. Why anyone would spend $300 on it? So... You know, you gotta. Here's so there's there's different kinds. the The bag phone is one kind. It comes with its own bag. It's like it's plugged in to the bag, and I guess that's where its its battery charges. The antenna is mounted on the outside of the car, and then you can use it. Uh, you know, inside your car. Apparently, you can plug it into your cigarette lighter. Weird. Wow. 
Yeah, but there's so the FCC has uh, different. I guess they're called uh, carriers. So these are the companies that can actually, you know, let you you talk and everything. Uh, there are let's see, Ameritech and Cellular One are the two in our market, the Detroit market. Okay. Uh, but the, here's another thing too. Here are the call rates. It's not like a regular phone where you pay the monthly charge and then you can make whatever local calls you want. And then long distance, obviously, call costs more. But you get uh, zero to fifteen free minutes a month uh, for local calls for sixteen to thirty-five dollars a month, and then it's twenty-eight to eighty-five cents per minute. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And then if you pay more, you can pay up to $52 and get 20 to 100 Uh I guess this, this, this varies from company to company, but you can get uh, 20 to 100 uh, minutes per month that are free. And then you get... But I'll tell you what, I've, sometimes I talk on the phone for like an hour, you know? Not on a cellular phone, you wouldn't. No, I'm just saying that it, it does happen. If you want to get eight hundred a month, you got to pay one hundred and ninety-seven dollars. See, and you're already paying three hundred dollars to get the phone. Yeah, it's way too much. I, I don't understand. This is never. Who's going to do this? It's ridiculous. And I mean, like, why do you need it? Especially, okay, you get fifteen free minutes. So what? You're going to keep it to call like for help if you have a car problem or something? Again, pay phones unless you're going on. A road trip into like the mountains or mm-hmm. you know somewhere like if you're driving through like the nevada desert i guess it would be helpful yeah agreed yeah yeah that's true i suppose although if you're so let me ask you a question then but if you're driving through the desert how you who's gonna hear you like <laughs> who are you gonna get who in are a you, tree falls in the forest <laughs> who, but i mean who, who are you gonna get to you know what I mean? Like, because if you're if you live out in the country, it can be tough. I don't know, because so how does it how does it connect people? Does it go through the lines, the phone lines? Well, it's not connected to a line, so I I don't know. Do I guess they use satellites? Maybe. Maybe. Huh. I guess if they used satellites, then yeah, anywhere you were in the world, it wouldn't matter, because you can always contact a satellite. Right. I'm guessing. Uh, anyway, so, now, on to a little entertainment news. Elaine Boozler goes for the heart. What a name. As well as the funny bone. You're not, you're not familiar with Elaine Boozler? No, and, and her name is, I mean, is she an alcoholic? Yes. Because that's what her name implies. She is. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that explains it. Is that, why are you moving so much? I don't know. You keep going in and out because you're moving around. Sorry, I'll try to hold still. Uh, so anyway, she is doing a concert for two hours a night, uh, com- Comedy Night 3, which is benefiting uh, people, Forgotten Harvest. She's at the Fisher Theater. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, she's a, she's fairly funny. I mean, I, I don't mind her. She's, her time is a little bit, eh, a little bit gone, I would think. She was more popular in the mid-80s, I would say. Okay. But as a connoisseur of comedy, like I am, she, you know, she's she's fine. <laughs> Luscious Jackson is coming to town. What do you think about that? 
Nothing. Oh, really? Who is Luscious Jackson? They're about the grooviest band around these days. Groovy, baby. <laughs> you don't, you're not familiar with Luscious Jackson? No. Wow. All right. Well, they kind of, they, they do like George Clinton-y type stuff. Okay, well, that explains it. Luscious Jackson. Not a fan. They also did a review of Ed Wood in the paper. I wonder... We beat them too, I, was say, I wonder if anyone, you know... Liked our, I don't know. We 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 did it first. Hear it here first. People. We beat you. Anyway, so uh, massive love. You want to take a trip down Lovers Lane for a minute? Sure. Always I know you're, with you, babe. I know you're not feeling great, but still. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I do have a cold this week, guys. Sorry. Um, does that say legs? It does. <laughs> legs. You know how to use them. This white male, 34, handsome, physical, blonde, slash, green. What? I think his hair is, I think his eyes are blonde and his hair is green. He's you the, mean, he's the Joker. <laughs> uh, yeah, the other way around. Okay. Is seeking you. Your legs are an awesome quality and you know it. How do you know that? He, he's basically, he's just invented a fantasy woman, and then he's writing to her. Right. And hoping that maybe she'll be there. But he says, <laughs> your legs are an awesome quality and you know it. I want them. Wow. He sounds like a serial killer. <laughs> All I want is your legs. I want them I'm building the on my wall. <laughs> maybe he's building the perfect woman. And it's just like, <laughs> so this week is legs. Next week is breasts. It's Dr. Frankenstein. Arms. <laughs> We seek each other for fun. Frolic. Oh, my. When was the last time you frolicked? Um, well, in the park yesterday afternoon. Oh, okay. But, you know. And to be free for a while. But absolute discretion is our style. You and I are full of zest. Because we only want to experience the best. We seek Nirvana. Capitalized. So the band? <laughs> they are disbanded, sir. Sorry. Kurt Cobain killed himself. <laughs> Let's get together and spend the time. Maybe he's saying you seek Nirvana because I'm going to kill you and cut your legs off. <laughs> there you he's go. building like a life-size Barbie. This is ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> oh there are God. some freaks out there. I am so glad that we are together. Yeah, for sure. God, could you imagine being single again? Ugh. Mm-mm. There was I, was... I was looking at one over here and I can't, I can't find it. But... I will find the other one that's in the alternative section, which I Always think is Always got to stop in the alternative section. Well, yeah, that's our... For music and... That's our bread and butter, butter, right? Yep. Do-do-do, a lot of bored people out there. Well, yeah, you'd have to be to write and read these ads. I'm a bored person looking for another bored person to have sex with. There are other ways to entertain yourselves, people. Yeah, exactly. Attractive, single, black, female, 23, no dependents, seeking wealthy businessman <laughs> over 40 for discreet relationship, race, no barrier. Must live in Wayne County area. Serious replies only, all capital. Because you know a lot of wealthy businessmen spend time looking in the wanted ads because they can't find someone on their own. Right. It's so funny, but basically, so she wants somebody to buy her things. Right. That's what it is. It's prostitution, 
in the ads. Yeah. what it is. Exactly. Easygoing male, 23, 5, 10, 168 pounds, seeking single or married females, 18 to 30, for exciting times. <laughs> well, now. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, so here's the adventurous millionaire. Remember him? Uh-huh. Adventurous millionaire looking for single or married lady. 30 to 45. Oh, to spoil. I enjoy music travel and all sports. Unfortunately, the single black female is too too young. She's not 30 to 45. We can't hook them up. Bummer. Yeah, I'm sad about it. I was all about it. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that is it for Massive Love today. We I, could make a board game out of this. Out of Massive Love? Yeah. We could cut the ads into little, like, cards and uh-huh. then play match game. Oh, yeah. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> How about this? One more that I just found. Okay. White male, 26. Bruce Willis or Jack Nicholson lookalike. What? Those two people don't look any... <laughs> They don't look anything alike. Bruce Willis or Jack Nicholson. What does that mean? And he said, and, and, and by the way, I mean they're both white middle-aged men. I guess, and he's twenty-six. He looks like Jack Nicholson. Uh, the Jack Nicholson is fifty, um, <laughs> but he wrote "look a like" as three three separate words. "Look a like," <laughs> not "look alike," as in I, as in "alike" one word, and what it should be. Is look hyphen a hyphen like, by the way. So, okay. I mean, I would have done the hyphens, but I don't think I really realized that a like is one word and not two. Yeah, alike. Okay. Two things are alike. A like, one word. Right. Okay. Uh, fun, caring, sense of humor, love movies. Obviously, you look like two movie stars. Huh? Moonlit nights, dancing, and quiet nights. One has hair and one doesn't. <laughs> I know, I don't get it. Just like you don't anymore. Yeah, so, so he's bald. That's what it is. Because Jack Nicholson, he's not bald, but he's got that receding hairline. Yeah, he's got a receding hairline. So he's bald. He's a bald white guy at 26. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. You, <laughs> you, just, you could have just said bald and saved yourself some money instead of saying Bruce Willis or Jack Nicholson. I look like Telly Savalas. What do you think that tells you? I don't know who that is. He played Kojak. He's bald. I don't know who Kojak is. Famously bald. God, you didn't watch any TV in the 80s, did you? I really did not, no. I I was busy um, playing. Oh, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so let's move on to our shows that we watch. Our programs. Our programs. So let's do do Friends first. Okay. Break it down for us. Break down Friends. So this episode <clears throat> featured uh, the friends, and Monica was dating a dude that Gary was his name. Is Gary or Alan? Alan. Alan. Yeah, it was Alan. Yeah. She was. Da- she's dating this dude, Alan, and they all want to meet him, and she's like, "No, that's not going to happen," because they hate all of the guys that she brings home. So she talks to uh, her sassy black friend at work because I guess they need one. I don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, and <laughs> she gives her the advice that, you know, you should let him, you know, it's, it's good because 
they're just watching out for you. And if, you know, if he can survive it, then, you know, maybe he's, he's good right. or whatever. So she brings him home. They, they all talk and everything. We don't get to see their interaction much. He tells one joke and then it kind of fades. Well, I think the, the joke was like the tension breaker and it's just kind of showing that they're going to hit it off. Right. I mean, we don't want to spend the whole episode getting to see him. You're right. Plus the way they describe him. See, here's the thing. He he's like a myth in this <laughs> in this episode because all we hear is about him, but we never see him do anything. Right. And I think the reason is is because there is no way they could write him to live up to what they what the friends put into him. Because hmm. it turns out that they all love him. They right. think he's the best and and everything. And so they they start doing stuff with him too. Apparently, they go they play softball with right. him, and they win uh, you know a softball game because Alan is just the best at softball. They they go out shopping together. They go to they do the, those boat things right. <laughs> in, the, in the river together and everything. Pontoon boats, is that what they're called? I, Whatever. I think so. It's the one where you row with your feet. Sure. Or you pedal with your feet. Pedal boat. I think they're called pedal pedal okay. boats actually. But anyway, that makes sense. So. They, uh, they they love him, and Monica starts to become less enamored with him. She's she's not she's not loving it. She says, "Don't you think that sometimes he's a little too Alan?" <laughs> and they said, "Well, how can you be too Alan? It's his Alanness that that we all love and and everything. They love him so much, and she just doesn't feel it with him." Right. So she decides that she's going to break up with him, and before this happens. Chandler is helping Joey to to rehearse for a play, and he's has to smoke in this in this thing, and he's trying to smoke. You can tell he's not a smoker. Oh, he's terrible at he's all. Dropping the cigarette, dropping the lighter. No idea what he's doing. So Chandler says, "Look, you know, you want to get this part. Let me show you how to smoke." And he says, "Oh no, you're not going to have enough cigarette." So we learn that Chandler used to smoke, mm-hmm. but quit, and. That guy, Matthew Perry, the one that plays Chandler, right. I don't know if he is a current smoker or a former smoker, but he is certainly, a, he certainly knows his way around right. a cigarette. Yeah. It's very clear. Because you can just tell. Even when someone's acting and they the way they puff, the way they hold it, you can just tell. he's He has smoked before, for oh, yeah. sure. But so he, he kind of shows them and then he starts to love it. And then I, he, I love the line, though, that he has about... This is the thing that has been missing from your hands. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I feel feel you, Matthew Perry. So he, you know, he starts smoking again, and they all hate it, obviously. (laughs) And they... They're all assholes. Yeah, they they treat him really badly. But it's funny, because he does get his revenge. Because at one point, he's sitting there smoking, and they're all talking about, you know, how, how terrible it is. And he says... Come on, like, uh, like we don't. I have, I have a flaw. We all have flaws. And then he starts pointing out uh, flaws mm-hmm. from people, like Joey cracking his knuckles, and what else does he say? Monica, Phoebe chewing her hair. Yeah, Monica does something. I don't remember what. Um, I don't remember either. Like what Ross does. Ross overpronounces his words. Oh yeah. Oh, you do. Like do you? you. What are you talking about? I don't overpronounce my words. You do too. I don't overpronounce. When you when you're being weird with your words, you do. I mispronounce. Like I don't overpronounce. Nine inch nails. Yeah, that's not overpronunciation. Whatever. That's just, 
That's giving stress to different syllables for comedic purposes. And when he does... behind the curtain, folks. Whenever he does it, it reminds me of you. Okay. Anyway, so they they all start arguing with each other. They all start kind of sniping at each other and everything. And then he just stands up and smiles because he's gotten them all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so there's uh, that. that's uh, one of the things. And then he... Everyone's trying to make him quit smoking. And he's smoking a cigarette and... Alan calls up <laughs> to Central Perk, and he picks up the phone, and he's like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 well, I'm having one right now, yeah, and he's, he's talking about it, he's like, oh, I never thought about it that way, and, and, and everything, and then he just ends up putting out the cigarette, not smoking <laughs> anymore. So, then, the other thing that happens in the episode, there's like three plot lines yeah. going on right now. Monica's date and everything is one, Chandler's smoking is another one, and then Phoebe has $500 put into her, her checking account on accident. Right. So she's she's all mad about it because she's like, well, now I've got to talk to them about it. Well, sure, you know, I, I mean, getting free money, that makes anyone angry. <laughs> so she tries to talk to them about it, and apparently they misinterpret what she says because they give her $500 more. Mm-hmm. So now she has $1,000 in her account and the, a football phone. Yeah. <laughs> so she apparently she gives food to this homeless person every day or whatever because she knows who she is. She calls her a weird girl. <laughs> and I think her name is Janice or something no. like that? Tracy? Oh, I don't remember what it was. It definitely wasn't Janice. Stilvia? Uh, okay. Anyway, so... Phoebe knew her name being the point. Yeah. So she she gives her the soup with all... The alphabet soup with all the vowels taken out. Right. Because that's the way the homeless woman likes it. That's so weird. And it's funny because maybe all this good stuff is happening to Phoebe because she's like a really good person and does stuff like this all the mm-hmm. time. Uh, but anyway, so she says, do you want $1,000 and a football phone? I don't know what a homeless person's going to do with a phone. But right. <laughs> but she gives her the the money and she's like, I can't take this. She tries to give it back to her. Yeah, what a good person. Like, like you're on the street, you have nothing and you're going to give it back. Right. She's like, I can't take this. And she's like, I have to give you something. And she says, well, just... Buy me a soda, and we'll call it even. First, she tries to give her her tinfoil hat. Right. She's like, no, you need that. (laughs) So she buys her a soda. Phoebe opens it up, and there's a thumb in it. So the soda company just gives her $7,000 in compensation for the thumb being in her soda. So now, I still don't think that makes up for a fucking thumb in the soda. That is nasty shit. I agree, absolutely. So now she's got this money, and she's... You know, she she's upset because... Because she's a weirdo. Yeah. She doesn't think she deserves it, basically. God love her. And so then Chandler's already quit smoking, and he's like, I'm going to have a cigarette, basically. And she goes, I'll give you $7,000 if you never smoke again. He goes, yeah, okay. <laughs> and walks back in. So, you know, interesting that now he's got seven grand, and that's, that's sort of how the episode ends. But uh, before that happens... Monica breaks up with Alan, and first she breaks it, the news to the friends right. that she's going to break up with him. And it's it's funny because they begin the episode talking about cliches in dating. Uh, Phoebe's gone on a date, and the guy walked through the subway and said, let's do this again sometime. And everyone's like, oh, that's too bad. And Rachel's confused because she says, oh, you know, he said, let's do it again. And they're like, no, it's it's code in, in dating. And they, they say, like, you know, it's not you, it's me. 
I'd like to see, let's see other people, meaning we already have, you know, mm-hmm. like, st- or I already have, stuff like that. And it's like the codes in the hearts. Yeah, exactly. In the paper. Exactly. And this, in this episode, she starts, you know, Monica's breaking up with them using these codes, mm-hmm. kind of, and they're reacting, you know, to it as well. So it's a, it was a good bit of uh, foreshadowing, I think. We haven't changed. Right. You've, you know, we haven't changed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, one thing I think is really good about this show, because this episode was kind of like nothing, like nothing really happened, sort I of. I think that was a lot of happening. Yeah, I mean, there were things that happened in the episode, but it's nothing like, nothing like earth shattering, but it was funny. Yeah, well, I mean, this doesn't seem like the kind of show where a lot of earth shattering happens. I yeah, mean, I guess true. maybe, I mean, we're only, what, three episodes in and... And already, you know, we've got the the divorce and the walking out on a wedding. That's what I mean. And the babies and that's yeah. what I mean. There's like there were like in the other episodes there were a lot of like big life moments, right? And I guess you can't. I mean, you well, you could do like 15 episodes on big life moments, right. I guess you know. Yeah, that's you not sustainable. Yeah. So, but there were no like huge life moments in here. Um, but the strength of the show is obviously the, the writing. It's funny, and the chemistry between all the actors is really good. They really work well together and you can really see they, they seem like they genuinely like each other and you know, that's definitely helpful. Yeah. I mean, they're all like millionaires now probably or whatever. (laughs) They're all making, they're all making a lot of money. People get paid a lot of money for sitcoms even, or like any kind of, uh, of network TV show. I think it's like, like five or $10,000 an episode or something like that. Even like if you're just starting out, like most of these people are unknown, right? So I don't know what they're what they're making. Courtney Cox is probably the most well known, or like the only kind of known person besides you know of of this cast that she's been in other things. But so I don't. Maybe she's making a little little bit more. I don't know. But like five ten thousand an episode or something like that. That's, that's a lot we're of money. Only a few episodes in, so I'm sure they're not millionaires yet. Well, I'm sure they're not millionaires yet. But I'm saying like they're making good money. Yeah. You know what I mean. So they they're all they're all newly. I mean, I would call it wealthy, kind of. If you're making like ten thousand dollars a week, that's wealthy. Yeah, but if you only make it for three weeks, that's not okay. Well, anyway, I'm just saying that, like, I mean, I can see why they'd all be happy with each other. It could be canceled next week. You don't know. It could be, although you know, NBC definitely has shown a lot of faith in it because. They and they they put it in the best spot possible between Seinfeld or between Man About You and Seinfeld. So well, I'm not saying I think it will be. I'm I'm just saying I wouldn't be calling them millionaires. That's all. Well, they're uh, yeah, they're not yet, but they're doing really well financially, and I could see how that would make them happy. And then you know that's easier to like each other. Happy people are nicer people. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So why don't you tell us about my so-called life? Why do you, I mean, like, why? I hate it when you do that. But everyone else loves it. What is wrong with you? (laughs) Anyway, my so-called life. This episode was why Jordan can't read. Right, which we didn't find out. Right. Yeah, that's true. We don't know why he can't read. We know he can't. We don't know why. There were questions. Mm -hmm. They were not answered. Correct. You are right. Um, but, so it starts out that they're on a field trip to a museum. Now, I don't understand at all why Angela has this with her on a field trip, but she wrote a five-page letter to Jordan Catalano 
that she had no intention of giving him. Apparently, right. she says to Rayanne anyway that she wrote it a while ago. Yeah. And that she's over him now. That's what she says. Maybe she wrote it on the bus on the way there. Who knows? But she has this five-page letter that she lets Rayanne read. Mm-hmm. Rayanne is... By the way, I, I'm really concerned about her character. Like, she may have a drinking problem because yeah. she's she's drinking on the class field trip in the museum and flirting with the security guard. Yeah, they, anyone that owns a flask might have a problem. <laughs> um, they actually, it kind of, it, it almost looked like they were going to, like, go have sex in the bathroom, but... That's what I thought. They, it looks like they were just flirting. Yeah. And, um, she asked if he wanted his phone number. Yeah, her phone number. Her phone number. And um, well, she got all distracted because she's hot and bothered and drunk. Apparently, um, she lost Angela's five-page love letter to Jordan. Yeah, she left it on one of the exhibits. So terrible. So Angela is freaky. Oh, first of all, while this is happening, Jordan comes over and talks to her. Yeah. And, I mean, they were just talking about, like, how she should see his band rehearse sometime. You know, like, just kind of casual, a little bit flirty conversation. Nice conversation. And she's all excited. And she's telling Rayanne about this great conversation they had and how it just came out of nowhere. And uh, Rayanne has to admit that she lost the letter and it could have been found. So now she's wondering, did he find the letter? And is that what initiated the conversation? Right. But I don't think that it's out of nowhere. Like, like I said to you, I mean, they, they've kissed a couple times. It's not out of nowhere for him to like make conversation or invite her to see his band. Well, he tried to kiss her a couple times. Right. And she pushed him away. Right. I mean, he put himself out there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think she's just such a little bundle of insecurity that she doesn't realize that he likes her, too. I agree. Yeah. He does like her, too. I think so. It seems like it. But... You know, who knows? Maybe he's obsessing about her all the time. Right. No idea. So, um, this this whole thing goes down. She's all freaked out. And then the next day, he brings her the letter. Says yeah. he, he found it. And she's like, oh, I wrote that. I've never seen somebody lie so fast out of someone's mouth. <laughs> I wrote that last year when I had another boyfriend, and I called right. him Jordan so he wouldn't know it was about him. And <laughs> right, yeah. And he's dead. Right, yeah. He's and dead he's now. dead now, yeah. And, um, and it's like they go to this school. Like, he would know if a student died. Right. So he realizes, of course, that she's embarrassed. And so he, he finally admits, chooses, which I think was pretty selfless, chooses to negate her embarrassment by telling her that he didn't read it. Yeah. He's trying to make her feel better, even though it puts him in an awkward position to mm -hmm. say that. And she starts freaking out. Of course she read it. Right. Why wouldn't she read it? You know, who wouldn't read it? Blah, 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 blah. Well, you know, he can't fucking read. So, like, they end up yelling at each other. Because <laughs> um, he says it didn't hold his interest, which is, like, I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that That's a pretty shitty thing to say. I guess. He's trying to get his way out of this situation. Right. And um, so then she's like, what, too many big words for you? <laughs> yeah, it was bad. It was a bad fight. And then he gets he gets all pissed off. And, and that's when she realizes that he can't read. Right. So he admitted to her, and he said he has never admitted this to anyone, but he admitted to her that he couldn't read it. Yep. And um, then, of course, his friends show up so they can't talk anymore or anything. Now, some girls would have been turned off by this, but not our Angela. <laughs> <laughs> 
she's just more Twitter paid and in love than ever. Yeah. And now she's got to make it make sense why he can't read. So when they're finally hanging out together, she's like, hey, let's 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 dig into this and figure it out. Do you think you're dyslexic? And, you know, lots of smart people are dyslexic. And like, right. he, he doesn't think he's dyslexic. Yeah. You know, it's funny because she so she goes to see his band play. Yeah. Before, you know, like like this happens. Oh, okay. But yeah, the three of them go see the band play, and he plays this song called Red. Yeah. Where he's like, I call you Red. I don't know. It, it, he was singing, okay. It's like a love song. The, it, it's a song he wrote. Correct. And he had told her he wanted her to hear it. Yep. So, of course, she thinks this is about her because it's... She has a, red hair. Yeah. And it's about saying, like, the sh- they're my shelter from the storm, at night they keep me safe and warm, and all this stuff. I mean, like, it's very romantic. Mm-hmm. Um, although I-, I would say it is a little above level of where they're at. Yeah. So, um, she is, you know, thinking this is about her, of course, and, and um, now she's even more all in love with him. And then that's when he drove her home from there. Right. And that's when they had this conversation? Correct. Yeah. So, um, he doesn't think that he's dyslexic, and she's just, like, drawing at straws trying to figure it out. And then they kiss, though. Yeah. The kiss is actually, it looks like a good kiss, and she doesn't push him away or anything. Right. So, yay for them, I guess. Yeah, it might, you know, things might progress. Although, who knows? Because. Yeah. The episode does not end well. No. Um. So she is super, she is super happy um, the next morning. And her little sister tells her parents, like, Angela's in love. And then Angela asks if she can date. Yeah. She says, I can go on dates, right? (laughs) And the mom is freaking out. I don't know. She didn't look like she was freaking out. You think she she was freaking out? She didn't look happy. She looked, she looked nervous about the whole thing. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, but there have to be ground rules. And then she's coming up with the ground rules, like, on the fly. Yeah. And one of the things they said is that they wanted to meet the person first. Right. And so then Angela's like, oh, my gosh, that's so humiliating. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Do you think that's humiliating? I think she's going too far, but I think she is embarrassed about her parents and... She doesn't, it's, it's like one of those things where if you have uh, one group of friends over here and another group of friends over here, and you kind of act a little differently around each group of friends, right. if they meet, it's weird. Right. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, she's really upset about the idea. Um, and it's, what's funny too is her little sister has developed a crush on uh, Brian Krakow. Yeah. yeah. And um, so while they're having this conversation, she's like... Well, what if you already knew the person? Right. <laughs> then, they, then I don't need to introduce you, right? Because you already know him. Right. Her little 10-year-old sister. Right. But anyway, so, yeah, so she's got a crush on Crackhead. And it's like it's a big, like, love quadrangle. Right. <laughs> yeah, because Crackhead's in love with Angela. Yep. Angela is in love with... Jordan. Jordan. And uh, the little sister's in love with Crackhead. Right. And Jordan is in love with... Uh, I don't know. Oh, Ricky is also in love with His Jordan. Car. Yeah. yeah. We, we discovered in this episode. Yeah. He's able to tell Angela where to find him all the time because he has memorized his entire schedule. Yeah, he's got a crush on Jordan, yeah. which is sad. 
But I mean, he's a nice looking kid. Makes sense. No, I yeah, but Jordan's not going to reciprocate. Well, That's yeah, why it's course, sad. It's unrequited he's, love. He's straight. Yeah. So yeah, and then to see his friend with him—that's mm-hmm. gotta hurt. Yeah, the jealousy. So, anyway, she says to Jordan, you know, like basically they make plans to go out to the no. movies. No, 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 they don't just make plans. Okay, she awkward as hell. Basically asks him to ask her on a date. She right. engineers this whole thing. Right. Which I just think was kind of. I mean, she's kind of weird. Yeah, she's a weird person. I mean, would you... She's a lot like her mom, to be honest. Controlling? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so he agrees to do this, and then um, he's hanging out with his friends after school. He's supposed to be at her house at 7.30. Yeah, she says that he has to meet her parents. Right, so she she tells him to come by any time that night, and then changes it to, so how about around 7.30? Right. And, um... His buddies are going to go do something, and he's like, oh, I said I'd do this thing, so mm-hmm. he doesn't go with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when that whole thing was happening, and she's all dressed up and sitting there with her parents, I'm thinking for sure he's going to go with his friends. He's going to blow her off for his friends. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But then he has some kind of, like, weird nervous breakdown. Yeah, he's just kind of sitting there. He's like, he can't do it. He can't go. Yeah, he's like literally like rocking on the floor and stuff, like yeah, all upset. Too nervous about it. I don't know. So, the the insight that we get is when he talks to Ricky the next morning because Angela walks away from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Angela basically says, "I don't want to talk to you anymore." She doesn't say anything to him. She said to her friend, "She didn't want to talk to him anymore." He, she just walks away from him. Mm-hmm. Like talk about not communicating. So. <laughs> Ricky tells him, you know, she's upset because you didn't show up last night and didn't call or anything. Right. And he's like, oh, yeah, like, like, like that just didn't dawn on him to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says it's like she makes everything co- more complicated than it needs to be. Right. And everything a bigger deal. Mm-hmm. And it's all true. Right. And um, oh, what was the other thing? Everything more complicated than it needs to be. Bigger deal. And, oh, it's like she knows too much about me. Yeah. So I think it's because she knows he can't read. I think that's part of it. Which seems to not bother her at all. No. So. And then she said, and then he says that Ricky says, plus, you know, the song, you know, it's like she liked that song a lot. And he's like, oh, yeah. And she's like, you know, it's pretty obvious what it was about. And he's like, yeah, my, my car. car. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a literal, it's a literal song. Shelter from the storm, you know, yeah. and keeps me warm at night. Stuff like that. Like, uh, you know, I, I think he sleeps in this car. Yeah. I think he lives in this car. Yeah. He might very well be homeless. So anyway, that's, that's sad. Uh, yeah. He can't read. He's homeless. Angela can sure pick him. Right. No kidding. Shit. But anyway, but he is in a band, so that's cool. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she's, she's like, I'm, you know, that's never going to happen. Like, I'm not talking to him anymore kind of thing. I don't want to talk about him anymore. Uh, and the mom is worried that she's pregnant. Oh yeah. That was going on through the whole episode too. She's gaining weight and she missed her period. Mm-hmm. Could be menopause. Could be, could be pregnancy. Cause she's right, right at that age where it could go either way. She's 40. Yeah. 
But we find out that I mean, she's 40. That would definitely be old to have a baby, but... For sure. Um... So yeah, the whole the whole episode, she's like talking to her friend and talking to her husband, and he gets in his mind that, you know, he wants to have a son, right? So you know they're dealing with conflicting emotions about whether or not they really want to start over. And when she gets her period, finally, she's so relieved, and he's sad because he wanted to have a son. Yeah, that was a little sad. But then. uh he ends up playing catch with Brian Krakow. So. Yeah, that's his new son. Though. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's uh, we'll have to see what happens with her and Jordan. We'll see if there's a if there's an amends that gets made. And you know, at the end of the episode too, she was so mean to Crackhead because <laughs> um, I don't remember what started it, but she's just like, you know, you just don't get it. Like meaning, like what it's like to have feelings for someone. Right. Right. And, you know, someday it's going to happen to you, and then you're going to get it, and I'm um, just going to laugh. Right, exactly. She's clueless. Yeah. But he is totally in love with her. But everything about her is total drama. And, like, completely, like, she is, she is absolutely, like, she is, everything is huge. And she's very self-centered. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's why she's clueless. She's clueless about how... She affects people around her, and she's clueless about correct what anything going on around her that doesn't have directly have to do with her. Yep, except for her dad's affair, but that was right in her face, and, and that and still that's, affects her. Yeah, it's still more about how it affects her than anything else. That's true. I mean, she did feel bad for her mom. She yeah. did. She did go snuggle her mama. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, that's not, I don't want to call her a total bitch, but and I mean, I'm not saying she is. I mean, it's normal for a 15 year old to be self centered, right? So, but it's just it's just very apparent. Yeah. So anyway, that was uh, my so called life. So now, <laughs> this week, uh, instead of going to the movie theater, we rented. We stayed in and snuggled a movie. We had microwave popcorn. It's getting to be close to Halloween, so you know we're we're, we're staying in the Halloween spirit with this one. I, I would say. Oh yeah. You say? For sure. So uh, we watched Flatliners. Why? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what? Anyway, it's one of my favorite movies. Uh huh. So I wanted I wanted to watch it. Okay. And now you're just making Let's talk fun about of it. it. I'm not making fun of it. Let's talk about Flatliners. Go ahead. Oh, I have to talk about it? Well, it's we'll your talk, movie. We'll talk about it together. Okay, fine. So, Flatliners is amazing. And it's amazing because, first of all, it has an amazing cast. We got Julia Roberts, Oliver Platt, mm-hmm. um, Kevin Bacon. The hottest Kiefer man Sutherland, in the world, Oliver Platt. And, <laughs> yeah, he's like the least attractive. He's still doable, though. Um, wow. Okay. Really? Yeah. That's um, a nice thing to say in front of your boyfriend. <laughs> well, I mean, in reality, no one but you is doable. Okay. I'm just, uh, for the girls out there listening, they're all nice looking people. Um, it's got a big shaggy head. And what's the other one? What did you say? The, the sex, Julia Roberts, the, the, the Oliver sex Platt. Dude. Oh, Billy Baldwin. Billy Baldwin. Alec Baldwin's brother. Yeah. So, they're all medical... Did you say Kevin Bacon? Yeah. All right. So, they're medical students, and Kiefer Sutherland's character has um, come up with an idea. Kiefer Sutherland's character is crazy, 
like every character Kiefer Sullivan ever plays. <laughs> but he has come up with an idea of flatlining right. to, um, you know, find out if there is life beyond death. He wants to die. He and wants be to go. Back. He wants to go brain dead and then yeah, come back. Right. So he wants he, to engineer a near death experience. So apparently, these are the top GPAs in the class. These these characters. These are the smartest, best students, and that's right. why he is you know inviting them. It also seems like they're friends, though. They're also the most photogenic. Just, right. Just right. Just uh, just <laughs> just a good coincidence there. So, um, and they all say no at first. Yeah, no one wants to do this. Because this it is, is a crazy-ass idea. Yeah, and, and it's obvious he's told them what he wants to do prior to this. Right. They all know. So, um, it starts out actually with, like, Horatio, which is Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay. I was going to say. I can remember his name. Yeah. Um, he is working on a patient, like, some lady's dying, and, um... He says, you know, he's going to, he's like proper, he's going to do this surgery that she needs to save her life. Correct. An emergency surgery. Like they're not in an operating room or no, nothing sterile. Like whatever he's about to do, this is no good. Yeah. And. <laughs> but she's going to die. But she's going to die. And they're like, who's going to do the surgery? I am. Uh, and one of the nurses just peels off and runs down the hall to go get help because she's like, no, this can't happen because he's a medical student. Yeah. She's like, basically she's like, no, you can't. Do it because you're a student. You can't perform the surgery. Right. But he does. And he has no he has no permissions at this hospital. He's a student. Right. And I mean, you know, I'm sure that as far as legal stuff and liability and everything, that was a terrible thing that he did. But he also saved her life. Correct. And if they waited for somebody who had the proper authority to come, she might have died. Yep. And I realize they came pretty damn fast. But, you know, stuff, stuff like that it can matter. Seconds yep. can matter. For so, sure. Um, you know, he gets uh, in big trouble. They Is, kick him they out. They kicked him out? Is that what it was? Yeah, like, they kicked he's him totally out of school. kicked out of school. Okay. So and Kiefer Sullivan's like, you know, hey, they'll, they'll bring you back next semester. They're not going to let someone as brilliant as you go. Right. So they'll, they'll bring you back next semester. It's just insurance stuff. They got to make it look like they're doing something or whatever. I mean, I get it. Cause if she decided to sue I and mean, she could own that hospital. Right. Cause I mean, she could still get an infection. Because this was a non-sterile procedure. Yeah. And from and what if he botched it? Yeah. You know, he says, you can't just let students perform, uh, you know, life-saving uh, procedures. Right. They're not all Kevin Bacon, guys. I mean, I get the idea that if somebody's, like, windpipe is closing up, you need to, like, you know, stick a tube in there. But um, I'm not going to be the one to do it. Yeah. No, I agree. So, yeah. So, that that's how he starts. And, um... Then Julia Roberts' character, mm-hmm. Dr. Manis. Yeah. I can't remember her first name. I Manix. just remember they like, call her Manis. All of them have first names that we barely ever hear. Um, and uh, she is obsessed with the afterlife. Right. And she's like practically doing support groups with her patients mm-hmm. who have... Had um, near-death experiences. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny, like the nurses are keeping watch cause I guess she would get in trouble for this too. Like they're, they all like to break the rules. It seems like. And, um, so they're all sitting around talking about like, what did you see? And blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, we get the idea that there's some kind of personal investment. Right. For her. And probably I would imagine for Kiefer Sutherland since it was his idea. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, it just seems like he's a nut. Like he's like a mad scientist. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to be famous. 
Yeah, he does. They talk about that a lot, being on 60 Minutes and everything. Yeah, like, when when they actually do go to do this, which they obviously do where they want to be a movie, he, uh, he's, he's talking about 60 Minutes and they're like, but that's not the reason. He's like, but the fame is inevitable, which is true. Right. But it could definitely be part of the motivation. Yeah. We never really get a, a clear sense of why. Oh, I think we do. Of why he wants to do it? Yeah. You do? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. When we get there. You think that was his head the whole time? Yes. Wow. I think. Okay. I think that That's his reason nuts. for being interested in life beyond death was, um, you know, this turning point for his life. It shaped the entire rest of his life. And I'm sure that it's in the back of his mind all the time. And he wants to know what happened to yeah. that kid. Yeah, like, okay, all right. Wow, that's, I didn't really get that, but okay. He, oh, there's so many, spo- I, I don't want to, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, so I'm not going to say what I want to say to you right now. Um, Aren't so, we going to? Just, I mean, this movie came out four years ago. We're not, we're not, we're not going to just but spoil people it. might not have seen it. All right. And I'm, no, I'm going to, listen, there are going to, I'm going to spoil the whole thing. Yes, I just don't want to go right to the end right oh, now. Oh, okay, gotcha, okay. So, um, they all say no, then they all show up. Yeah, they all show up to do it. So, the one's supposed to bring his camera, and he, that's uh, Billy Baldwin. Mm-hmm. He, uh, we see him having sex with a girl on camera. Yep. She does not know she's being recorded. Correct. And apparently, he makes a habit of this. And he's engaged. Mm-hmm. He wants to, he, as he says, he wants to get as many girls as possible on tape having sex with him before he gets married. What an idiot. Weird, too. Like, so I'm guessing he's doing this to masturbate? Like, after he gets married, he's figured, like, okay, I'm married. So in order for it to not feel like I'm just having sex with the same person over and over again, I'm going to, like, have these tapes where I can masturbate. But it's like, so you're masturbating, and, like, yourself is in those videos. It'd be weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Well, and how would he figure that he would never get caught with as many tapes as possible? I mean, a big VHS collection is hard to hide. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, every time they move to a different Right. House. He's going to have this one box. No, yeah. you can't look in that no, one, No, uh, this these are my private tapes. Right. What a moron. <laughs> so, yeah. So, he has a camera for that purpose, and they are using that to film um, their little experiment. Mm-hmm. Um... Somebody else brought the equipment, Steckle. Yeah. That's Oliver Platt's character. Someone brought some chips. Nobody brought chips. <laughs> um, they, he wanted Dr. Manis to handle the injections. Mm-hmm. They all are there, and they're going to get his body. Now, I know you have things to say about this. To get his body to 86 degrees. Okay. And... Um, and then, what, like, okay, what are they injecting him with? And, like, at the... At Sodium the, pentothal and, and uh, status nitrate, I think. Okay. Um, you said something, though, about, like, that you thought this was an inconsistency or something with the movie, like, the 86 degrees, no? No. Okay. Well, they're doing it's it in a way that they're... Yeah. They're trying to uh, keep, keep his brain from... Uh, being damaged. Yeah. Basic. Okay. So basically, uh, you know, they're in the medical industry, and this is still like really new, kind of like really new research. They're not 
they haven't fully explored this completely yet. But there's always been, you know, it's like like two minutes, you know, two minutes, three minutes of, of no oxygen to the brain while people are doing CPR and stuff like that. You know, you're going to have some pretty severe brain damage. Well, they discovered, and the reason they discovered it is some uh, somebody, I can't remember who it was, what the person's name was, no one famous, but somebody was hiking, I think, and they fell into, like, a, a ice-covered uh, lake. Okay. Like, they fell, they, they hit their head, uh, you know, they basically drowned. Wow. And they went oxygen-deprived, and they were they were under there for, like, like five minutes or something like that, or, or, or maybe it was a little less than that. But they were without oxygen for an extended period of time, mm-hmm. frozen in this lake. When they resuscitated him, he didn't have any brain damage. And they were like, or, or not significant brain damage anyway. And they were they were amazed because it was long past the point, you know, where they, you know, they used to think you can't, you know, like they quit revi- trying to revive people at certain times. Right. It's like, can't save them. Yeah, even if you bring them back, they're just going to be a vegetable. Exactly. So, you know, this, they did some study on it and everything, and they, they discovered that if you cool the body down, that's called protective hypothermia. It, it slows down the the processes inside the body to do like the synapses and everything to a point where the brain can go without oxygen for you know a longer period of time than normal and still be brought back and, and be okay. It's part of what um, you know when people talk about cryogenics, like freezing freezing people's bodies and stuff like that, like right before death or at the moment of death or whatever, and maybe finding cures to these things that killed them and bringing them back, you know, a thousand years later or whatever. That that It's sort of like that's where that technology is kind of going. But there's, you can't can't really do it now. Right. Because there's so much water in our body that if you do it to the degree you have to do it, it makes, it basically, uh, you know, creates ice from the different particles of water in our body. And then, you know, it... shatters ah. so when you try to you know so yeah they can't really can't really do it right now but that's sort of that's you know it's applicable to that technology but anyway yeah so that's why they're doing that that's why they're doing protective hypothermia so and then he said <clears throat> he was going under for a minute yeah one that minute. was the goal and um i believe and I, i'm trying to remember because we you know they they all end up i mean all but two of them so or no all but oliver platt's character end up correct. going under correct so you know we see it several times and there are different you know times when they have difficulties bringing people back and how long they're under i don't remember i'm fuzzy on the details julia roberts character was is under for i think five and a half minutes or six minutes or no something like that. it wasn't that long it was five five minutes i think i think it was longer than five no no, because I think at the end when he goes under again, he's oh, under for five minutes. That's right. It's him. Yeah. It's him. Yeah, he's under for like six but minutes. But they or did almost like. lose her too. Like she was under I think I think she was under for like four minutes. Yeah. Like four, four a, and a half it, or something. Yeah, it was a really long time. He was under for at least five minutes. Yeah, it might have been longer time. than that. Might have been like ten minutes or yeah, something. Like it that. was some insane amount of time. Yeah, I think it was nine minutes when she showed up. That's what it was, yes. Yes. And there's just, there's no, like, that's, that's, that's unbelievable But see, we're jumping ahead again. Yeah, but that, that, 
That passes the suspension of disbelief thing to me. But anyway, go ahead. So, okay. So he's the first one. He does this and... He sees something. Yes, he does. He sees... He's. It's kind of like reliving a memory. You know, he he's running with his friends. They're chasing a boy. Yep. And they're chasing this boy into a tree. Yep. And they're throwing rocks at him. Yep. And I think that's where it leaves off at that yep. point. And then he sees his dog. His, his dog's dog. with him running. Yeah. yeah. And then well, his broke ass dog. Yeah. So then um, that same. So then that same night they are. Um, they leave him alone in the car while they go get food for him. I guess I don't know. It was kind of weird. Okay. They went to like a convenience store or restaurant. Yeah. And, yeah. And he's just sitting alone in the car, and he hears this dragging sound and whimpering, mm-hmm. and sees his dog from the memory. Yeah. Except he's all, like, crawling on the ground and, he's like, like, back hurt. is broken. Yeah. And um, he's like, champ? And, and then, you know, they're He does there. not look like a champion. No. <laughs> so, you know, they stay with him that night. He doesn't tell anybody about what he's seeing. Right. Um, then he sees the little boy that he chased into a tree. Right. And the little boy kicks him. In the nuts. Yeah. And hits him. Yep. And this kind of continues over and over. And, like, they show he shows up for... Who goes next? It's not Manus, because she kept getting bumped. It's Billy Baldwin. Okay. Billy Baldwin goes next. So, when he... Because he calls up his fiance and says, Yeah. You know, hey, if anything should happen to me. She's like, what are you talking about? Like, he sounded like he was going to kill himself. Yeah. Which I guess technically he does. Right. But he's not permanently... Uh, but yeah, he's like, you know, Hey, if anything, she's like, what do you mean? He's like, not nothing, nothing. I'm just, you know, talking. And then he like hangs up basically (laughs) scares the shit out of her. So it's, yeah, it's his turn to go under. And when, when, uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character shows up, he has been beat up. Yeah. And he says a couple big guys did it. And he has the physical scars. (coughs) Sorry. Yeah, I mean, he, he looks rough and um, still doesn't say anything. I mean, he's physically being hurt mm-hmm. by by this memory, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And doesn't warn them and lets them go, this guy go under now. I mean, he knows what it is. Yeah. He knows who this kid is. Right. So when uh, Joe, that was his name, when Joe goes, <laughs> it's like a, a wet dream. What, that's yeah. what he sees. I mean, it's really bizarre. It's a bunch of breasts. Just yeah, breasts everywhere, <laughs> and they almost that's, they that's, almost lose him. That's huh? his heaven, right? Exactly, because I don't think he wanted to come back. Right. Um. So he was he was started it, to. It's s- funny that he goes to heaven. Like he, so I guess he's good enough to go to heaven. Well, I mean, we're saying that's his heaven, yeah. but. I, that's something I don't know that we really figure out from watching the movie is like, where are they going? Is it heaven? Is it hell? Is what it is it? Some sort of purgatory something else? place? Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, the breasts are right. That is his sin still. Right. But so, yeah, it's, it is weird because it doesn't really seem like heaven, but then it seems like there is a heaven because of some things that happen that we'll get to later, I guess. Right. So go ahead. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, he, he comes back saying that he felt like there was, you know, something maternal guiding him. 
what kind of weird relationship did you have with your mother, man? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Obviously not breastfed. So after after he goes, then he starts seeing his videos everywhere, like when he's looking at screens. He's yep. being haunted by his videos. Correct. And he doesn't say anything either. Nope. Because, you know, he's ashamed, just like uh, Kiefer Sutherland's character is ashamed. Mm-hmm. So um, then they let Kevin Bacon Horatio go, and he sees um, himself making fun of a girl on a playground. Right. And then dancing with uh, confetti all around him. Oh, wait, no, that was Footloose. We watched that, too. <laughs> oh, guys. And when he comes back, then he starts seeing this little girl. And she's, like, making fun of him, saying, you know, the same kind of mean things, I yeah. think, that he said to her. Buffalo breath and stuff like that. Yeah. That's weird. It is. So he, you know, has enough uh, sense and, and caring about people to s- say something. Um, he is late, though, to stop Manus yeah. from going. And he wants them to bring her back now, right, right away, not to let her go as long as she wanted to go. Because right. he's trying to protect her, because he's the only decent person out of, you know... Well, I guess Manus is a decent person, too. I guess. But the rest of them, they're kind of shitty people. Yeah. Agreed. So... Well, I'll reply it. We really don't get to know it all. He's just very conceited. He doesn't go under, and he's just... He's like, no, we can't do this. Right. And That's he, exactly how he sounds. Well, you know, he's 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 doing a genesis of a young surgeon. Like, he's right. just... Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's icky. He's definitely going to be a surgeon, because he is conceited enough to be a surgeon. Right, and he has no personality. No offense, surgeons, but you all suck. <laughs> Um, and what, and what did he say? He's boring too. He's like, what would I, I'd have my nanny like chasing me around with like a stolen hot dog. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he didn't do shit. Right. (laughs) So, um, you know, they finally, once they almost lose Rachel, she's under for four and a half minutes. Oh, you just remembered her name. Yes. (laughs) And, um, Rachel Manis, Rachel Manis. And when she goes to the bathroom afterwards, When they're all out there discussing what's going on, she ends up seeing her dead father, which is what she saw when she was, you know, in, you know, the afterlife. Yeah. She was... Again, it's like a memory. Yeah. She was reliving going up the stairs as a child and walking into a room that she wasn't supposed to go. It looks like the bathroom. Like, you're not supposed to go in the bathroom. I don't get that, but... Yeah, the whole thing was weird. Yeah. She knew she wasn't supposed to go in there, and she did. And her dad got up and ran out of the room and tripped on a a tambourine she dropped in the hall and fell down the stairs. Right. And her older sister, I'm guessing, or her mom, I'm not really sure. I think it was her older sister. Yeah, I think so. Grabs her by the arm and shakes her and says it's your fault because he fell down the stairs. Well, he goes outside and shoots himself in the head. So Do we see that? It's implied. Okay. Because he got into a car... And it it shows, like, his hand holding a gun, and then there's a bullet hole. Right. So, I mean, they they were tasteful enough not to show it. Right. But, yeah. So, he he killed himself. And the the first, the last... Is that why? Maybe. Eh, That's weird. I mean, who knows? He was was doing heroin, which we find find out later. So, who knows what all was going on in his brain at that moment, but he goes outside and shoots himself. Oh, went through his brain. <laughs> and the last thing she heard was, it's your fault. So, I mean, yeah. she's felt like 
it's her fault Guilty. her whole life yeah. that her father killed himself. Even though it's clearly not. But. Right. Well, and he'd just come home from the war, or I guess... Vietnam, I guess, I'm guessing, yeah. yeah. I mean, which is why he was all fucked up, I'm sure. So, it's just a sad little situation there. So, <laughs> she's seeing her dad now in the mirror behind her in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. How terrible. Yeah. And she doesn't tell them either. Like, why are they all so closed-lipped about this stuff? Like, you well, obviously that's need the thing to is share. I don't think they're friends. <laughs> yeah. I think they become... I think, like, they form a bond together, but I really don't think they're friends. They yeah, know I guess e- you're right. They know each other <laughs> right. in, a, like, a loose kind of way, but I don't think they're really friends. They're, they're colleagues and fellow students. But, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So, and then her and Horatio, um, David Horatio, right? I don't know. David. I think it was David. Um, they were getting closer. So he's the one that stays yes. with her, <laughs> I think, that night, or is that a different time? No, he stays with her. Yeah. Um, but she still doesn't tell him. Like, even though it seems like they're getting closer, she still doesn't tell him right away what's going Not on. Not yet, no. Um, so Horatio decides that he is going to try to make amends with this little girl that right. he keeps seeing. Which, you know, that makes sense. I guess. And, you know, she's not dead. She's alive. Yeah. She's, like, one of the only ones that isn't dead. Right. So, I mean, that kind of makes you wonder, like, okay, so what is he seeing? Yeah. You know, in the the afterlife. It's not her spirit. It's it's the sins. Yeah. As Kiefer Sutherland points out, after he he says that, you know, he's, like, after this, the scene where they all reveal what's going on to each other. Mm-hmm. He says, somehow we've brought our sins back with us. And they're pissed. Right. So, it's not, you know, in the case of, you know, the one little boy that is dead, I guess maybe it's his spirit or it can be interpreted that way. And with the dad, maybe the same thing. But, you know, like these videos, these yeah. women aren't dead. Exactly. And, you know, the videos aren't anything that are... You know, it's not a person. Well, so they can't have a soul because it's a video. Here's the thing, though. I don't think it is their sins because Rachel didn't commit a sin. That wasn't a sin. It's well, just what she feels guilty about. Okay. So guilt then, I guess. Maybe. it's It can be synonymous. I, I guess. But, I mean, like, walking into that room that she wasn't supposed to go in, If the, I mean, I guess that's a sin. Maybe not listening. What That doesn't seem like something that would haunt you it's it's the way she feels about it what i think it is is it's the father's sin yeah See, i think it's i think it's the father's sin and the fact that he he can't let go and she can't let go mm-hmm. and i think that's what they're so it doesn't it's not a perfect analogy because that doesn't work for everybody right it's but different that's, for but each it's, of it's them. very clear what's going on with her i think yeah it's very clear what's going on with her but it's not as clear what's going on with horatio so he, I guess. I mean, he feels guilty about this. So he goes to make amends, and he does. He's mm-hmm. able to make yeah. amends with her. She, he apologizes, and she accepts. Which is, the apology. yeah. I mean, um, and Kiefer Sutherland goes with him because he doesn't want to be alone, right? Because he's getting the shit kicked out of him all the time. Mm-hmm. And even while he's in the truck outside waiting, this happen, he gets beat up again. Like he catches him, he comes out, and Kiefer Sutherland is holding. Like, what is that, a pickaxe? Tire iron. I think it's supposed to be a tire iron. (laughs) It was sharp. Yeah, tire irons can be sharp. Okay. And, um, you know, we see that the spirit of the little boy is, like, pushing this into his face, but it looks like he's just wrestling with it in thin air. 
it's kind of weird. Yeah, sort of. So, I, I don't know. So, he, Horatio tells him, you know, I feel great now. I, I made amends. Everything's all good. And he's like, you need to make amends with this kid. Mm-hmm. Well, he doesn't know that this kid's dead. Yeah. And um, the reason he's dead is because he killed him. Right. He and his friends. And I guess it was specifically him that threw the last rock yeah. that knocked him out of the tree. So, I mean, more so him, I guess. I guess. But all three of them, you know, yeah. honestly. Well, they probably all ended up in juvie. He said that he was taken away from his family when he was nine years old. Yeah. Crazy. And spent the rest of, you know, yeah, his ad- in, in a home for boys. I think it was ju- juvie. Okay. Home for boys. They, they can call them that, too, sometimes. Okay. Um, cause but he yeah. killed a kid. But so. yeah, I mean, crazy. and he, and he killed his dog or at least k- crippled him. Yeah. Crippled the dog. I'm sure the dog had to be killed after that. If the dog didn't die from those injuries, I'm sure the dog either died later in agonizing pain or they, they had to euthanize the dog. Yeah. It's very the, sad. The dog's back is destroyed. Which I mean, I'm sorry. It is fucked up that they were throwing rocks at a kid. And that, you know, yeah, they sure. knocked him out of the tree. But I'm sure they weren't trying to kill him. They were being No, they all stupid. seemed shocked when he fell. Yeah. Yeah, like, like they had no idea that what they were doing was dangerous. So, Keener Sullen goes to the cemetery. And basically, like, hey, show up, you know, so I can make amends or whatever. And then he decides that there's only one way he can make amends, and that's to die. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, apologize to him there. So... He steals the car because his friends are with him, uh, Horatio and the other one, Billy, Billy Baldwin. Baldwin. Um, sure he, fucks a lot. Right. <laughs> he steals the car and takes off to uh, go flatline. And they're um, trying to get get there to stop him. And he calls Rachel Yeah. on the way in <clears throat> and tells her what he's going to do. I mean, not specifically. What did he say to her? I mean, she figured out what he was doing, I think. I don't know. He was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I think he said he was sorry. Yeah. And, uh... Sorry that he didn't say anything to her. Yeah. And she... She gets to make amends with her dad, too. Yeah. Yeah, before that happened, while, while all of that's going on, her dad, she... she Her bathroom kind of morphs into the bathroom of her childhood. Mm-hmm. And she goes up, and that's when we see that he was doing heroin. Showing that you can that you can do this without flatlining, by the way. Right. Like, he didn't need to flatline to do this. Although, again, we had a dead spirit not alive. Yeah. Well, but, no, but he... The dad's was, dead, Yeah, too. the kid's yeah. dead, so... But, I mean, the thing is, did the kid want to make amends? Dad wants know. to make amends. Yeah. Well, the dad, like, hugs her, and the dad says he's sorry. Yeah, he's, he's, I'm so sorry, he's crying, crying, because, you know, he fucked up her whole life, too. Yeah, and he, so he, you know, it's clear that in order to get closure and move on, which I think is a lot of what this movie's about, right? that he needed to apologize to her, Mm -hmm. that he needed to stop feeling bad about this. So, and then she's able to forgive herself because mm-hmm. it's not her fault, it's and, his fault. And let him go. Yeah. So, and, and she tried to tell him on the phone, too, wait, you know, it, it's it's okay, you don't get it. But he didn't want to hear it. Right. So, they all go to try to save him, and instead of doing it the usual way that they've done this, he used potassium to stop his heart. Right. A yeah. lot of it, too. Yeah. And it had been a long time. Basically... What he did was give himself a lethal injection. It's like the same chemical cocktail that they use for a lethal injection. Yeah. And I mean, did he even use the 
hypothermia thing? I don't know if he did or not. I don't remember. I don't think he did, because I don't think he had any plans on coming back. It did not appear to be that he was going to come <laughs> back. No. So. So he does, but he does. He's So now he's in the tree, in this thing, getting mm-hmm. the rocks thrown at him. And he falls. And then he says to the kid, you know, like, he says he's sorry, you know, and everything. And, and all this stuff. And the kid smiles at him. Yeah. And champs with the kid. Yeah. And they walk away like like everything's cool now. And there's a light behind him. That's what I'm thinking. Like he's now like he's able to move on mm-hmm. too from this death. So he needed to hear the apology. I think so. Yeah. And now he's able to move on. I think that's kind of the point of that. He was definitely angry. <laughs> oh, was... for sure, he was pissed. Yeah. And he had a right to be. Yeah. That took his entire life away. Yeah. You know. So he is able to return to his body. Yeah. And with no brain damage, even though it's been like 10 minutes. And the only reason that we know that there's no brain damage, though, it's kind of cute, is like the very beginning of the movie, he starts out saying, Today is a good day to die. Mm-hmm. When Horatio is going under, he says some Indian war cry that means the, the same, same thing. thing yeah. And so when they bring him back, he can barely talk. They have to like lean in and everything, but he says, It wasn't such a good day to die. Right. So you know, okay, he's okay. He's got his personality. He's in there. Mm-hmm. And you're right. He shouldn't be. No. And so it's like, did God protect him? You know, Maybe. or something? Like, like what? Like, that's one of those things where it's like, that's supernatural. I mean, I guess a lot of the movie is supernatural. Yeah. But that's not scientific. There's just no way. You can't be brain, you can't be oxygen deprived to your brain for 10 minutes and just be okay. Right. Just, that's just not how that works. I mean, I, I think if they hadn't done that, we, we wouldn't be able to make the assumption that he would be okay. But Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's basically where it ends, right? Yeah, that's where it ends. So, what did you think of the movie? And what did you think, you know, well, like, what did you think it was about? Well, I mean, I, I, I really love the movie. Um, I think that it's about, you know, our trying to grasp and understand mm-hmm. um, the afterlife. Yeah. And yeah, I agree too with what you said about letting go. Yeah. I, I think, so I don't love the movie as much as you do. It's a good movie. I like the movie, but you're like, you know, you were like obsessed with the movie and, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's a fine movie. I've watched it probably five, ten times. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a lot of it is about that search you know, for one, and a lot of it is about just our, a lot of it's about asking for forgiveness. It seems very, it's like very kind of Catholic in that way mm-hmm. <laughs> of like, you know, this is the key to salvation, the key to, to you being able to move on, the key to everyone else being able to move on is to ask for and receive forgiveness. That's, that's huge, you know, in, um, you know, in this movie. And I think that's a big, that's a big theme of it as well. It's, it's pretty, it's a pretty complex movie. It is very for, complex. For a thriller, you know, you know what I mean? I think that it, it's, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't call it a thriller. I'd say it's more of like a horror or a drama. I guess, yeah. But it was directed by Joel Schumacher, who directed Kiefer Sullivan in uh, The Lost Boys. I love that so, movie too. Yeah. So that's, you know, same guy. Mm-hmm. So, and we, there's a lot of the cinematography is really uh, kind of cool and interesting. I love it. There's yeah. a lot of shadow. It plays with light and dark a lot. 
there are, um, you know, it's it's just it's it's a very well shot, very well filmed movie. And the, even the the music, I, I'm impressed mm-hmm. with too. And you know, it's weird though. Like they do a lot of like the lighting and stuff. It's almost like a play. Yes, with the the lighting because it's definitely not real, but it works. Yeah, it's definitely otherworldly mm-hmm. lighting, but I think but that works the whole theme of the movie. And where they're doing this, this is it a church? I think so. Yeah, it's like a gothic cathedral. It's being renovated, right? But I mean, the the art and stuff in there is really messed up. Yeah, like it seems unreal that any place would exist with that kind of art. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing is, is the, yeah, the set decoration, the lighting, everything is very dark and Gothic and it, it's kind of meant to have that quality to it. Yeah. But it's, like I said, it's a very well filmed movie. It's a, it's a good movie for sure. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, you know, if you haven't seen it, I would definitely check it out from blockbuster. But, uh, that is our episode for the week. Carol, take us home. Okay, so tell your friends, share our tapes, um, give us the stars, Mm -hmm. and um, that's it. All right, have a good day. Bye. Bye.